This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. As you know, dear listener, if you tune in regularly, we're no fans of the American judicial system on this show. That is based in no small part due, unfortunately, to direct experience with the system. So we're going to talk about some possible reforms with the author of a book titled The Time for Justice, How the Excesses of Time Have Broken Our Civil Justice System. The author is an attorney with 50 years of experience, Anthony Curto from Long Island, New York. We thought it was a good book and we thought he had some good solutions. So we're going to talk about it in segment two. We suggest you tune into that. And the best way to do that would be to listen to segment one, which we will now begin as we like to do with On This Date in History. Our date in question today is the 27th of September. Yes, I do want to apologize a bit for the scratchiness of my voice. There's so many viruses going around, and when you work in urgent care, well, sooner or later you catch them. But at any rate, it was on September 27th in the year 1869 that Wild Bill Hickok in his first job as a sheriff, stopped a bar fight in Hayes City, Kansas. Of course, Wild Bill did that by shooting one of the participants in the head, which to my understanding is not the method currently favored by law enforcement officials. On this date, September 27th in 1892, book matches were patented by Ohio's Diamond Match Company, which I think is still around. In fact, Checking a box I have here of the strike-on-box matches, they are indeed made by Diamond. And even more shockingly, made in the USA. And, Mr. McMillan. It was on September 27, 1935, that American child actress Judy Garland, who would later star as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, signed her first contract with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. On September 27, 1959, Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev headed home after a two-week visit to the United States that included a summit conference with President Dwight D. Eisenhower. It also included Khrushchev throwing a tantrum over being unable to visit Disneyland. And I'm not sure, but I believe also included the time where he took his shoe off and banged the table at the UN to get attention. Khrushchev is by far Radio Parallax's favorite former Soviet leader. If for no other reason than a couple of quotes we've used of his, which I think we'll repeat, Mr. McMillan. First Khrushchev quote, Politicians are the same everywhere. They promise to build a bridge even if there is no river. And his summation of American football, which was, I'll fall down, I'll get up. I'll fall down, I'll get up. And finally, it was a red-letter day in the history of whitewashes in that it was on this date in 1946 that the Warren Commission report on the assassination of U.S. President John F. Kennedy was released. It concluded that Lee Harvey Oswald, a troubled loner, acted alone with no help whatsoever, and the whole matter involved no conspiracy. 
This conclusion was derived by refusing to look at various lines of evidence that appeared to indicate things to the contrary. And we'll have more to say about that during the next uh, 14 months as we approach the 50th anniversary of that sad day in American history wherein President Kennedy was assassinated. The almost certain victim in this correspondent's opinion of a conspiracy. Of course, I would add that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. But consistent polling shows that it is the opinion of something like 85% of the American public. Our quote of the day, apt for our guest on our second segment, is from Honoré de Balzac, who once said, Laws are spider webs through which the big flies pass and the little ones get caught. Our quip of the day comes from Todd Purdom from his article in Vanity Fair on why uh, history shows that private sector successes sometimes flop in the presidential office, contrary to the aspirations of Mitt Romney. Said Purdom in the article, Mitt Romney would be only the second president with an MBA. The first was George W. Bush, and we know how that worked out. He does make the interesting case in the article that to FDR, Abraham Lincoln, and Harry Truman, all considered pretty good presidents, were business failures, whereas people who were successful in business before becoming the presidency include Warren G. Harding, Herbert Hoover, and Jimmy Carter. Anyway, moving right along, our joke of the day comes from Oscar Wilde. More of a quip, really, but said the immortal Oscar... Some cause happiness wherever they go. Others, whenever they go. So true. We have three stats of the day. The first appropriate for our talk on law today, which is that it would take almost 250 hours per year to read the privacy policies that you seem to sign each year. The second stat, which is horrifyingly bad, is that decades of overfishing have left fewer than 100 fully-grown adult cod in the North Sea, according to a new study of catches at North Sea ports across Europe. Almost all the cod they now catch are taken in before they reach sexual maturity, leaving very few cod in the sea to reproduce. This, I think we should point out, is not sustainable. We keep meaning to read that book about cod to talk about the great collapse of the cod fisheries, but haven't gotten around to doing so yet. Maybe in 2013. All right, third stat, a little bit happier, is that according to the LA Times, about 1.3 million underwater homeowners went from owing more on their mortgages than their houses were worth to a position of positive equity in the first six months of this year, thanks to improving home prices. There are currently 10.8 million underwater homes, which is about 22% of all U.S. homes with a mortgage. All right, I think it's time we jumped into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Note of the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for having weird relatives. After substitute teacher Arlene McDance of San Rafael, California, found out that she was heir to $7 million in gold, which was found in the Carson City, Nevada home of her late reclusive cousin, Walter Samasco Jr., said one Carson City official. 
Nobody had any clue he was hoarding the gold. Don't we all wish we had a cousin like that? It was, on the other hand, a bad week for overeating with the news that 480-pound convicted murderer Ronald Post has now petitioned to cancel his scheduled execution in Ohio, arguing that lethal injection of such an obese man might not work, resulting in, quote, serious physical and psychological pain, unquote. Well, probably not for very long with a big enough injection. And it was an ugly week last week for creationists, who apparently are now calling for a boycott of Dr. Pepper products after Dr. Pepper put an ad in Facebook touting the, quote, evolution of a flavor, unquote, which was modeled after the the iconic Ascent of Man illustrations. The ad shows a hunched, ape-like figure mutating into a man after finding a can of Dr. Pepper. Apparently hundreds of Facebook commentators called for a boycott. Wrote one, My ancestors were created in the Garden of Eden. I ain't no freaking chimp. Well, we think that remains to be seen. And rather than do an Only in America item on today's show, let's, let's hit some other countries up. Starting with an Only in Russia item. Which is that President Vladimir Putin has kicked out the U.S. Agency for International Development the government agency which funds health projects and human rights programs across the world, drew the Kremlin's ire for its funding of GOLOS, the independent election monitoring group that documented extensive fraud in the recent Russian parliamentary and presidential elections. Of course, this does raise raise the question, why doesn't the USAID pay closer attention to elections that take place in America? We've had some questionable results in recent years. You know what I mean? All right, how about from the Only in Denmark file, this piece. Evidently, seven nurseries in Denmark are offering parents two hours of free childcare on Thursday nights to give parents, quote, quality copulation time, unquote. I guess the theory is they can make more children and (laughs) then generate more business for daycare. But uh, make no mistake about it, Radio Parallax is decidedly in favor of quality copulation time. We have not been following uh, this upcoming presidential election with much uh, enthusiasm. The most important issues, as they so often are, seem to be ignored by both candidates. Writing in The Economist, Lexington said, America needs a debate about foreign policy. The election isn't providing it. Noting that two-thirds of Americans think that our troops have no business now in Afghanistan. He notes that Mr. Obama's national security stance is relatively popular because it's surgical, involving drone strikes and lightning raids such as the one that killed Osama bin Laden. While Republicans are grumbling that Obama should never have made public his 2014 deadline for withdrawing troops from Afghanistan, the date is now known and public opinion will not tolerate ramping troop numbers back up, a point he notes conceded by a Republican hawk. But said Lexington, the irony of the Republicans is this fascination with verbiage, which risks luring Republicans into the same delusion that once snared Obama, namely a belief in the magical powers of presidential speech. Apparently the hardcore Republican base is becoming uh, disillusioned with Romney. Peggy Noonan, writing in the Wall Street Journal, has called Romney's efforts an incompetent campaign, adding that there is now a broad and growing feeling that this eminently winnable election is, quote, slipping out of Romney's hands, unquote. 
Of course, one explanation for this may come from Eugene Robinson writing in the Washington Post, who noted that uh, last week the man who promised conservatives he'd repeal President Obama's Affordable Care Act caused an uproar by telling NBC's Meet the Press that, quote, there are a number of things I like in health care reform, unquote, including the act's requirements that insurers offer coverage to those with pre-existing conditions. Conservatives erupted in outrage. And the Romney camp rushed out a series of now familiar, quote, clarifications, unquote. First, that Romney believed the free market would solve the pre-existing condition problem. That makes sense. Then they issued another one hours later saying that President Romney would ban discrimination against individuals with pre-existing conditions who maintain continuous coverage. Said Eugene Robinson, even for the Etch-a-Sketch candidate, three different positions on an issue in a single day has got to be a record. And uh, New Scientist magazine in their editorial page sounded off a bit about, uh, about this topic of <laughs> truth and politics. To quote, For those who care about the truth, politics has become a depressing spectacle. Politicians have always bent and spun the facts, but the barefaced lying of recent years is especially difficult to swallow. The U.S. presidential campaign is a case in point, with both sides apparently ready to lie and lie again for political gain. The magazine notes that people like factcheck.org, combined with uh, social networks, are able to, you know, almost in real time, correct some of the things that these uh, politicians are saying, and that is to be recommended. Go to the magazine, when a politician deviates from the truth, instant rebuttals are increasingly circulated around social networks, If those refutations spread far enough, the mainstream media are forced to take notice. And yes, one reason we do this program is we've been puzzled over the fact that the mainstream media will sometimes report the most outlandish balderdash without further comment, pretending that this somehow leaves them as neutral dispensers of the news. Chris, we want to thank Ed for drawing our attention to uh, the following news item from LiveScience.com, which is that Fox News climate coverage is 93% wrong, according to a study. Oh, and by the way, not surprisingly, the same apparently is true of climate change information on the Wall Street Journal editorial pages. Hmm, probably not a coincidence since both are owned by Rupert Murdoch. Of course, we don't want to overstate the case. The analysis by the science policy nonprofit Union of Concerned Scientists found that 93% of the primetime programming discussions on Fox were inaccurate, but only 81% of the information in the Wall Street Journal editorials earned the same uh, grade. Study author Aaron Huertas, described as press secretary at UCS, told Live Science, it's like they're writing and talking about some sort of bizarre world where climate change isn't happening adding, it's clear that we're not having a fact-based dialogue about climate change. Anyway, you probably want to go to LiveScience.com and read this, uh, this article yourself. It's pretty good. And by the way, isn't it sad that for political reporting, some of the best political reporting in the country, you have to go to Rolling Stone and Vanity Fair? Scary piece in the current Vanity Fair about how Karl Rove has secretly taken the reins of the Republican Party, thanks to the Citizens United decision. An accompanying editorial by Graydon Carter in Vanity Fair, he noted that in Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission, decided in January of 2010, the High Court struck down both the McCain-Feingold Act's restrictions on corporate union spending 
1990 decision that restricted spending by corporations to support or oppose political candidates. Citizens United made it legal for individuals and corporations alike to raise unlimited amounts of money and to make unlimited expenditures on political ads, wherever and however they like in the name of a political action committee. And if you register your group as a nonprofit, you don't need to disclose where your money came from. So suddenly, said Graydon Carter, the new rules are, well, there are no rules. Carl Rove quietly created a super PAC, American Crossroads, and a sister nonprofit, Crossroads GPS, and began raising money for his own organizations and then installed deputies and allies within the Romney campaign. You really should check out Boss Rove in Vanity Fair by Craig Unger. And a guy that we know we can count on for political commentary is our good pal Mr. Will Durst, America's foremost political comic. Hey guys, Will Durst here to say I'm worried about Mitt Romney. Seriously, the guy just might be running the worst campaign ever. And yes, that includes France in 39 and the print ads for organic hemp underwear. Not to mention McCain Palin in 08, which currently holds the gold standard for lousy campaigns. But we're talking bad on a whole new level here. Bad like a dumpster behind a fish market during a garbage strike bad. Bad like a $3 Avengers DVD bought off a cardboard table in Times Square with Russian subtitles bad. Bad like Todd Aiken at a NARAL benefit bad. And every time the former governor of Massachusetts opens his mouth, it gets worse. He's tone-deaf, tongue-tied, logically challenged, and as approachable as a nearsighted porcupine in heat. So uncomfortable around real people, you can practically hear him whispering icky, icky, icky under his breath while shaking hands at rallies. You know there's an aide with a bottle of Purell hand sanitizer waiting for him on the bus. Maybe even a 55-gallon drum connected to a shower head. He calls 47% of America moochers and malingerers. Now, the major problem with insulting 47% of the public is that at least 58% of them were either part of that 47%. Maybe it's the extra-large silver spoon in his mouth that keeps him from seeing the view from the middle class. Can't understand why they just don't pull themselves up by the bootstraps like he did when his daddy loaned him his first million. Face it, if Bain Capital were running this thing, they'd close it down, fire him, and hire some Chinese guy to do it cheaper and better. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. And no, I did not give Mr. Durst his cold or vice versa. But I do need a short break, so let's take one. You're listening to Radio Parallax, I'm Douglas Everett. When we come back, we'll talk about America's dysfunctional legal system. One of our favorite topics, actually. 